say the game is getting old. Monday morning and your coffee's cold. Life is not what you want it to be. You need Hello, everyone, and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo. I mean, we have an outstanding show. Holy cow. I have with us Major Jason B.A. Van Camp, retired Green Beret, Special Operations Forces. His book entitled Deliberate Discomfort. Folks, get ready to embrace the suck. All right? That's what I'm going to tell you right now. Because I'm telling you, this thing is a life changer. It is a business changer. It is a leadership changer. It is a success changer. Everything that you want in your life that you don't have is right here in this book. I'm just telling you, you, if you're looking to be a better leader, you need to read Deliberate Discomfort. If you're looking to be better in success in your life, in your business, or your career, Deliberate Discomfort, read it. The book is just crazy good. It is absolutely outstanding, and he is going to join us here in a very short period of time. But let's do what we do every week. And you know, I got to tell you something. Jason really inspired me because uh, actually him and and the guys he interviewed that just totally inspired me, and I'll tell you why. I was I was uh, actually stealing some of his stuff as I was talking to a group today, and and in the book, and we'll talk about it. You know, we talk about that. You know, when things are falling apart around you, or you're completely exhausted, or you're completely overstressed, or you're completely don't have your best. Right. The truth of the matter is, you're only as good as your training. And by the way, in all four areas of your life. Physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. You're only you're only as good as the training and the preparation that you've pushed yourself to do. If you go into battle and you have not trained, all right, guess what? You've 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 already lost. It's too late. Right? That's why that's why, you know, like even during this whole pandemic thing, right? It's why you have to train every day physically. But you need to train every day mentally. You need to train every day emotionally. You need to train every day spiritually. You do. Because, you know, when things do go bad, that's the only thing you have to rely on, right? So instead of normally I check in with you, I say, you know, on a scale of one to 10, right? I'm not going to ask you where you're at. I'm going to ask you to be honest about your training in each of these areas. So on a scale of one to 10, one being I am, my training is off. One is my training is awful. 10, my training is outstanding. How would you rate your training right now physically? And, you know, that entails eating right, exercise, drinking plenty of water, and getting plenty of sleep. So how's your training regimen going? Right? Listen, if it's a three, you know you know what? you got to change it, right? Because there is no way that if your training regimen is only a three physically, right, how are you going to handle it when the stress really comes down on you? Right? we got to improve. Right? So... Whatever your number is, by the way, and it's okay, whatever the number is, right? Whether a five is average, if it's a three, we got to get it to a four. You, you can't get from a three to a 10, okay? You have to be committed to getting to a three to a four, four to a five, and so forth, right? All right, so you've got one number. That's your physical training number. Second, how are you doing training your mind, your mental capacity? How are you doing? What are you consuming? Are you reading books like Deliberate Discomfort to improve your mind and well-being are you are you are you consuming things that are actually healthy to help you grow in wisdom and knowledge and understanding in your life and in your maybe in your career and your business are you being better are you training your mind how are you doing training your mind or are you just letting people tell you what to think right there's a difference right because training your mind means that you're actively doing something to train your mind right so on a scale of one to ten one being I'm really not training my mind very well, Jay, to 10. Dude, I am reading every day. I am focused on getting better every single day with my mind. How would you rate yourself? And then, you know, whatever that number is, how do you get to the next number? Right? So you got two numbers, physical, mental. Then comes the emotional piece, right? The emotional piece is, you know, we have really two pieces. You know, we talk about emotional intelligence, emotional quotients a lot, but let me tell you the two pieces as a psychological professional. The two pieces are this, right? One is how well are you able to control your emotions under stress, which a lot of that is intention. And then the second piece is how well are you able to truly understand and empathize with the emotions of other people, right? It's really, I'm just going to narrow it down those two categories, right? And how well are you training yourself to do that? A lot of this is intention, right? A lot of this is, you know what? 
there are emotion, the emotional wheels that you could study that, by the way, to help you understand that there's, guys, there are more emotions than happy and angry, okay? <laughs> there's, there's just different levels of all sorts of emotions, and understanding what those are can be a very helpful way for you to understand what you feel, right? And be okay with what you feel, but even more so is to understand how someone else feels. Because as soon as you understand how someone else feels, right, that's when we start to make an attachment to each other that is much deeper. So on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being, you know what, from the emotional area, I'm not doing very well, to 10 being I'm outstanding in my training, how are you doing training your emotions? All right, so you got three numbers, mental, emotional, and then and physical, and then now we've got the spiritual end, right? And, you know, it's interesting, Jason uh, is going to talk to us a little bit about the spiritual end of this, because the spiritual end of our lives is one thing that a lot of us do not want to deal with. But, you know, we all have a spirit, right? And uh, we all have that thing that's inside of us that uh, is unexplainable. Science can't explain it. Uh, sometimes we'll hear people say, you know what, music touches the soul, or we'll say something that, you know you know, music, or maybe it's not just music, but something touches my soul that gives me a sense of peace or a sense of joy or pushes me further, and I don't, and we don't understand where it comes from. But if you remove the physical, mental, and emotional, and whatever you have left, that's really the spiritual realm. And you have to ask yourself a question, you know, you know, how is that? You know, how are you doing training that area? What are you doing to feed your spirit, right? And some, and some people say, well, I don't believe in God. Well, I've never asked you to, right? But some, for some people, they do. For some people, they try to feed themselves through nature or meditation or uh, a variety of other things that they try to fill themselves with to in, enhance their spirit side, right? And so how well are you doing training that side of yourself? Right? That's, that's the ultimate question. You know, so on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being I'm not doing very well, to 10, I'm doing outstanding. How is that? How is your meditation? How is the nature thing? How is the God thing working for you? You know, how's that relation working out for you, right? And you have to think of those four areas as kind of like uh, the legs of a chair. If the, the chair is uneven, right, in those four areas, guess what? You're, you're going to have all sorts of problems because your posture is going to be bad. Everything's going to be bad. Same token, if all four of them are too low, try eating at a normal size table when your chair is too low. We just can't do it. And so what we're trying to do is bring up all four areas in our life at the same time, and then we're trying to bring it up evenly so that we're well-balanced and that we are the healthiest people we can be. So you know what? This week, work on your training in all four areas of your life. Increase it. Make it more intense. You know, because the more you push yourself when bad times really come, guess what? Your training is going to take over and it's going to be great. And speaking of somebody who is absolutely outstanding and is somebody who I admire and I'm more than a fan. He called me a fan. I'm more than a fan. I, I believe uh, in, in, in what he does and in the work that he's doing. And I'm very grateful to have him. His name is Jason Van Camp. Matter of fact, it's Major Jason Van Camp. Uh, retired, yeah, born in Washington, D.C. Uh, he is the founder and chairman of Mission 60. Yes, that is M60. It's what Rambo carried around, in case you're trying to figure that out, which is cool. He attended the United States Military Academy at West Point. He also played linebacker for the Black Knights. Love that. Love defensive guys to play football. That's just kind of my thing. Uh, he also um, attended Brigham Young University, where he earned his uh, Master's of Business Administration. He retired from the United States Army Green Berets in 2015, having served most of his military career as a Green Beret in the United States Special Forces. Today, Jason enjoys spending time with his lovely wife, Lizzie, uh, who I think I heard in the background, his daughter, Claire, and his son, Jack, he is the author of this outstanding book, Deliberate Discomfort, How U.S. Special Operations Forces Overcome Fear and Dare to Win by Getting Comfortable Being Uncomfortable. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show and welcome to New Direction. Major Jason Van Camp, welcome to New Direction, brother. Jay, thank you so much for having me on. I'm literally grinning from ear to ear, man. This is awesome. You uh <laughs> You're more than a fan and a supporter. You're you're a brother now, man. I appreciate everything you've done for for me and and uh, and the country. So thank you again from the bottom of my heart, sincerely. Uh, you know what? You're so welcome. And dude, the, the book is outstanding. And I I keep saying that, but it's just because I found it really life changing for me personally. And as I said uh, to you, uh, as I said on air, and I think I said to you off air, the truth of the matter is I've stolen your stuff. I even did it this morning with a group of people talking about 
you know, you're only as good as your training. And uh, that's something that, that was, you inspired uh, me uh, in the book. And it's really so true. And I think we think of, you know, I mean, let's just talk about that right now. You know, we think of, you know, our training as just being physical. But then I started, I started thinking about everything that you're going to talk about in this book. And really, our training is really in all four areas of those life in our life, isn't it? It is. It definitely is. That's how you become a total warrior, a balanced warrior. You know, um, they select Green Beret officers and Green Beret soldiers, not because of our ability to kick in a door and do bench press repetitions and run a two mile run under, two, you know, 12 minutes, but our ability to think differently, to negotiate, to build rapport, to um, take a different perspective on certain situations in combat. So this book starts off, you are, I think you, you, you just come out of, you just come out of um, the United States Military Academy, I believe, and you, you were sent to Fort Carson, Colorado. You're about to meet your brand new boss, um, Major Brian Pettit, who seems like, by the way, he just seems like he's just a cool dude. I mean, he just seems he, like, he, he, he just seemed like one of those guys where you kind of go, well, why isn't my boss like Major Brian (laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean, the first words out of his mouth when you meet him is he says to you, quote, Jason, I want you to know that you're valuable and I value you. The first lesson, the first lesson that I need you to understand is that the difference between being a good Green Beret and a great Green Beret is their ability to listen. So he then asks you, and this is, I think, is an important question. So maybe you can kind of help us understand why this is such an important question because he asked you out of the gate, Jason, you've told me about what you've done, but who are you? When he asks you that question, why is that such a fundamentally important question? Because it's a question. That's a great, that's a great question itself, Jay. So I think it's such a fundamentally important question because I don't think we really ask ourselves that question. I think that's something that's absolutely critical um, as a foundation for building a successful career and a successful life, it's knowing yourself, knowing who you are, knowing your values, knowing what you're all about. And when someone asks you that question, at least when I was asked that question, I was put back on my heels. I was like, I, I don't know how to answer that question. You know, like, what are you looking for, sir? And then he explained to me sort of what he was getting at in this story about, you know, the physicist and everything. And right. And I was just like, wow, that was mind blowing. That was life changing for me. That was a story that I remembered for my entire life. So you, you come into this thing, you're a captain at the time and that's right. you have to, you're, I mean, let's kind of, we'll kind of get people kind of cover stories. So part of the, the story is that you come into this and you're, you've not led a team, but you're coming in as a young, you know, young guy who's about to lead some team. Is that, is that a good, pretty good in, uh, Reader's Digest version of that? Yes, that's correct. So how it starts is, you know, I, I, I graduated from West Point. I'd been in the Army for a few years, like two or three years, you know, uh, as a young officer, you know, learning the ropes, getting to understand some things. And um, you volunteer to go to the Special Forces Selection and Qualification course where that's where you're in your Green Beret. Um, and it's a voluntary thing. And, you know, uh, like the old Staff Sergeant Barry Sadler song goes, the Battle of the Green Berets, 100 men will test today, but only three will win the Green Beret, you know? So it's, it's, um, it's very selective. And so um, the vast, vast majority of people that, that go don't make it. And right. so I went through this course two and a half years, like I said, and I finally get to my unit. So it's finally game day. I've done all the, the practices, all the training, and it's finally time to lead soldiers into combat, to actually be a Green Beret, to be at the tip of the spear, you know, to do all the things that I trained for that I've wanted to do. And I'm nervous, you know, I'm anxious. I'm, I'm excited as well. And I meet my boss who luckily in, you know, in, in his book, it happens to be a legend, a legendary special forces commander, Brian Pettit, at least in my eyes. And I think a lot of people you will ask about Brian Pettit, they'll tell you that he's also in their mind, a legend as well. And he sits me down and talks about his leadership philosophy, what makes a good Green Beret, what he expects from me uh, and trust. And, and sorry to interrupt. So you keep going. No, no, this is this is perfect because he he shares with you. I mean, you, you kind of have this little 
you kind of have this little back and forth, right? And and yes. then he 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 kind of he kind of asks you, you know, you know, what do you think it's about? And then you kind of go back to him and say, well, what do you think it's about? And you know, he kind of he kind of gives some he kind of gives some keys here that I think are really important. The first thing he comes out of the gates with is no one should have to ask who's in charge here. Yes. That's the first 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 thing. No one and and by the way, I just you know who's in command. I mean, right? They need to right? That's just and then and then but then here's the thing he follows it up with. As a leader, you must love those you lead before you can be effective. God. What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Help me help help. Well, I got to tell people I'm in command, but I need to love those I lead before I can really be effective. Right? Cuz I think for some people when they hear this, you know, they have an idea of what being in command is versus loving the people that you lead before you can be effective. How do we resolve those two, Jason? Yeah, that's a, that's a great observation. So I always prided myself on when I was in a room with my team, you know, and we, were, and we weren't wearing our rank. We were just kind of wearing, you know, certain uniforms that were stripped down or just T-shirts or whatever. Whenever somebody new walked in the room and they would make an assessment like, okay, who, what's going on here? Who's the commander? I always made it a point um, – to portray an attitude and a confidence and just an atmosphere of I'm in charge here. Nobody needs to ask, Hey, who's in charge here? Cause when you walk in the door and you look around, you see me, you're like, okay, that's the dude that's in charge. Like I, I know he's the commander. And at the same time, whenever I was in command and guys were arguing or things were going sideways or there's all these differing opinions or whatever, I always prided myself on on also never saying, hey, I'm in charge here. Because whenever you say that, you have to remind people you're actually not in charge. Right. Because they don't already know that you are. Right. You know, so that was a huge um, lesson learned from Major Pettit. And in addition to that, you know, like you said, you really – when the bullets are flying, right, you know, in, in combat, you're not thinking about the freedom or the flag or the – Declaration of Independence or the Constitution or you're not thinking about any of that. Listen, you're thinking about the guy to your left and to your right because right. you want to make sure that you don't let that person down. You want to make sure that you do everything you possibly can to make sure that that person stays alive and that they know that they can trust you to do your job. And in turn, you want them to feel the same way about you, you know, and you really get to a point where it's it's all about love, really, is what it is. It's like right. I'm doing this because I, I love this guy. Oftentimes, that doesn't mean I have to like this guy. Right. You know what I mean? But it's about loving this guy and saying, listen, you're on my team. We're in this together. This is a life and death situ situation, a scenario. We're going to survive this because I know that I can trust you. I can count on you. You're going to get the job done. You can feel the same way about me. And, uh, and one way to know, to do that is to really get to know that person, to ask questions, to sit down, to spend some time with that person. And, um, and that's how it's established, you know, to really get to know your team well. Uh, so I think that's what he was getting after. And, and that's what I, I tried my best to do to, to really feel like I care about this guy on my team. And here's why I care about this guy, because if you don't know that person, you're not going to care about them. And I'll give you one more story. So we were working with the New York Jets. And this is in the book as well, you know, as you read it. And uh, Matt Slauson, he's a left guard. He was a left guard for the Jets at the time. Uh, a fairly young guy. And um, we went through some training with, uh, with the Jets. And after it was over, um, I sat down with, with Matt. And I was like, hey, what do you think? Uh, did you learn anything? You know, words to that effect. And and he said, yeah, you know, I learned a lot, but there's one thing I learned more than more than the rest. And I said, well, what's that? And he was kind of silent for a second and he kind of pointed across the, the trail. We were outside at the time and it was Jeff Cumberland, who was a, at the time a backup tight end for the Jets. He said, do you see that guy? I'm like, yeah, that's Jeff. He's like, yeah, you know, we've been on the same team for years now. I said, OK. He's like, he plays tight end. I'm a left guard. We virtually play right next to each other on the offensive line. I said, OK. He said, uh, you know, the first time I've ever said a word to that guy was five minutes ago during your training. And I was like, wow, man. And I said, I just left a, a meeting earlier today with the team. And Coach Rex Ryan was talking about we're a family. We're brothers. This is a brotherhood. You know, we fight for the man to the left and to the right. 
And it's like, well, how are you guys going to fight for the man to your left and to your right if you don't even know who that person is? You know, why would you do that? Like for some stranger? Like that doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. And so we talked about that with Matt and the Jets and talked about leadership and getting to know them. And so Jeff and Matt took some time to really like build a bond and relationship. And as a result, they both had phenomenal years. I think – I don't remember the exact numbers in the book that I, that I um, researched, but I think – Jeff had like three times as many touchdowns that year as he did the year before because he felt more comfortable. He felt like he was fighting for the people to his left and to his right finally. He felt like he was a part of the tribe. you know. And I think that's also something that we're dealing with right now with our the current state of our, of our country. You know, People are not feeling like they're a part of the tribe. They're feeling ostracized. They're feeling oppressed. And that's, that's hard to handle. That's hard to hear. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No, listen. Listen, it, it is. And by the way, we're with uh, Jason B.A. Van Camp book. Uh, he's written here called Deliberate Discomfort. Outstanding book available at Amazon bookstores near you. Available in all formats. It's absolutely, uh, it's, it's just, just a tremendous book. Uh, check out also uh, his work with uh, Mission 6-0. I really recommend it. He's, the, their consulting work is absolutely beyond outstanding they work with some of the most major companies major sports teams absolutely fantastic and please will you do me a favor and check out also he's on service on the board of directors for uh warriors rising and warrior rising and uh it's a nonprofit organization um to help uh our veterans become more successful uh in in business and uh he is uh dedicates his time to those things uh, as well and uh, he's joining us here on a new direction and um, we want to thank him for his service. So, Jason, thank you for your service. And um, we're going to come back right after we do this. Hey, everybody, you know what? We have a couple sponsors here on A New Direction, and one of those is Epic Physical Therapy. And Epic Physical Therapy is, are my therapists. And I, I will tell you right now, uh, between several knee surgeries, having shoulder rebuilds, um, you know, because I've torn all four rotator cuffs off of both shoulders, and I continue to lift hard and heavy. Listen, I'm just telling you, if you want to be able to recover from serious injury or serious surgeries, or maybe just maybe just suffering from everyday aches and pains. Look, maybe you're an elite athlete. Even professional athletes go to Epic Physical Therapy, right? They fly in to go to Epic Physical Therapy. Why? It's because they are the elite. They are an elite team of physical therapists. They provide you with a customized treatment program that's tailored to your individual needs. They they have experience rehabbing professional athletes, young athletes, surgeries, injuries. They understand that there's a need to treat the entire body as a functional whole, not just your symptoms or your injuries. So look, when you're ready for epic relief, epic recovery, and epic results, there's no other place to go. You need to start with epic physical therapy. You can learn more by going to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T. Com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors, look, it doesn't matter where you live in the world. Linda Craft for 35 years has been helping families uh, one relationship at a time, uh, either help them sell a home or buy their next home. And the, the reason why she is so successful and is able to do this year after year for 35 years is because the relationship is the most important aspect of real estate. You know, the truth of the matter is you will not probably remember the home as much as you'll remember the memories in the home. And that to her is the absolute foundation, is the memories that you're going to create in your home. And so she understands that those memories are important to you and she wants to take as good a care of your home or as good a care of the home that you want to buy so that what happens is that those memories are the best memories ever. And, you know, there's a reason why her customers say that her customer service is legendary. And that is because the relationship is that important. So if you're ready for the legends of customer service when it comes to real estate, you need to start with Linda Craft and her team. And you can learn more by going to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction. And we're with uh, Major Jason Van Camp uh, and his book, uh, deliberate discomfort. Simply, folks, uh, it's a must-read. I'm just telling you, it is an absolute must-read. You got to read this book. It's, uh, uh, it's. I, I took 39 pages. I was telling Jason before the show. I took 39 pages of notes on this book. I, as everybody knows, I take notes in every book. But 
this one was is such a different book that uh, it's those notes have been so highlighted. I've highlighted the book. I've dog-eared the book. Uh, it's it's and and you know I know I sound like I'm this just gloating fan, but the truth of the matter is I am a fan. But the truth of the matter is I found this book really helpful to my personal life, and I really believe that if you will dig into it and you will read it and you will take the lessons, choose to take the lessons. If you will choose mm-hmm. to take the lessons that Jason offers in this book, it will be a life changer for you as well. So uh, I hope you will do that. I hope you will make a purchase of this book uh, in whatever format and and do it because I believe that the book is just offering you such priceless um, information to help you grow in every aspect of your life. Um, so Jason, let's talk about that. We're still in this first, by the way, we're still in the first chapter. <laughs> yes, I love it. You so, were telling the truth about those 39 pages of notes. I love it. So here's the thing though. Because the big, the big aha moment for me came down to one statement that's made in this chapter, and that is trust is earned and given with belief. I, and here's why I felt that that was so big. And, and of course, Andy Rise, uh, you know, talks more about the trust piece, but here's the part that I think people, uh, do not understand you have a group of people out there who believe that trust is completely earned. You cannot, you, 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 right? And I keep saying to people, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. If trust is earned, give me your list and I will do every single thing on your list. And at the end of the day, you still have a choice whether you want to give me trust or not. Yes, exactly. So now you throw in the word belief, man. What, I, you sound like I got to take a risk when it comes to trust. Oh, help me out here. Yes, it definitely. So I'll give a backstory. Um, and this also in chapter one, you've, you've read it when uh, major Pettit essentially asked me, what are my top three leadership lessons, you know, in, in life? And I scrambled to think of the top three and, and I felt like they were pretty uh, solid answers. But one in particular was, you know, when I was at West Point and I was getting ready to graduate, become a commissioned officer, a second lieutenant for the first time, it's pretty common for cadets, you know, West Point um, students to ask NCOs, non-commissioned officers or officers or mentors, people that they trust, hey, what would you tell a brand new second lieutenant reporting to his unit for the first time? How can that lieutenant succeed? Can you give us some advice or some mentorship? What would you say? And almost like a knee-jerk reaction to a man, I mean, literally, like everybody says this, Trust your NCOs. Now, for those that aren't really familiar with the military, the NCOs, non-commissioned officers, you're kind of your blue-collar guys, your right-hand men, the, the guys that get things done, right? And so I said, okay, great. Uh, easy, easy enough. And I did that throughout my career. And uh, Brian Pettit, he said, well, you know what, Jason, how has that worked out for you? And I thought back, and honestly, I said, not that well. And he said, well, listen, Jason, here's the thing. There are there are good NCOs and bad NCOs in the military, just like there are good NCOs and bad NCOs in the special forces. Same thing with officers, good officers, bad officers. They exist. You know, so here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to trust your NCOs. And I was taken aback. I was like, so that goes against, you know, everything I've ever heard from every leader I've trusted or believed in, or, you know, I've, I've, I've that have mentored me. Like you're, let me clarify that statement. You say, do not trust your NCOs. And I thought about that. And he said, listen, Jason, why would you blindly follow someone just because they have three chevrons and a couple of rockers on the rank insignia? You know, he's like, that's ludicrous. Don't trust someone because they have a sergeant in front of their name. Your NCOs need to earn your trust just as you need to earn theirs. So at some point you're going to trust, you know, for example, a guy's name, Mike Daniels. You're going to trust Mike Daniels because you know him as a person. He has proven himself to you and he has earned that trust and vice versa. And so only after you trust him, Mike Daniels, as a person, can you truly begin to trust Mike as Sergeant Daniels. So trust is a problem, what he's trying to explain to me, or what he did explain to me. And he says, you need to take a risk. You need to take that uncomfortable leap of faith and believe in that person, believe in Mike Daniels first. You need to believe that you can eventually trust him. And he said, does that make sense? And I felt pretty confident. And I said, it actually does. It actually makes a lot of sense to me. And so how do you do that? And he says, 
um, you know, you have to give them actionable trust building activities. So it's always um, believe and then verify, trust and verify. It's kind of what we're going for. And uh, the trust goes both ways. It isn't just like, oh, can I trust you? It's also, hey, can you, can you trust me? Can you trust me, Brian Pettit, as a commander? You give me things to do so I can show you that you can trust me. And that's how this relationship is going to be built. It's going to be built on trust. Which, by the way, you make a point. You make a great point in, in later on when you say the biggest difference between elite military units and businesses is shared culture. That culture is built on trust. No one in corporate America talks about trust. I just thought, I started laughing. I go, yeah, we don't. We, we really don't talk about corporate America about trust, right? Matter of fact, if anything, we talk just the opposite, don't we? Yes, it's it's about where's my next paycheck. It's like, oh, I'm I'm working with Jay now. He's paying me a hundred dollars an hour. Oh, I can maybe work with Mike. He's gonna pay me a hundred two dollars an hour, and I'm gone. Right. You know what I mean? There's no, there's not, you know, there's no culture there. It's just like we're we're jumping from from job to job, paycheck to paycheck, and the trust isn't established. And and that's people say, what's the difference between the civilian world and the military? And I tell them, and it's in the book. You just you just said it. The biggest difference between these elite military units, and as you know, I served with the Green Berets, and businesses is a shared culture. And that culture, the foundation, it's built on trust. Right. And nobody in corporate America, I mean, maybe there's a few, I'm not going right. to stereotype sure. it, but really nobody is talking about trust. Right. And trust, like what Major Pettis shows, is effectively welcoming a valuable new employee, me, reporting to my unit for the first time, reporting to him. Clearly setting expectations, establishing effective open communication, uh, letting me know that I'm both valued and valuable, and he believes in me right off the bat. Right. You know what I mean? And I said it before, like, you know, also in the book, whenever I had somebody, a coach, a mentor, a leader, somebody who said, Jason, I believe in you. Oh, man, that's all I needed to hear. Right. Like, I will work my ass off for you. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, you, I will prove to you that you made the right choice in believing in me now. You know, that's, that's what goes through my mind. Yeah. Listen, the, I, I, I'm, I'm right with you on all this because I'm, I've yet to see it. I've yet to see a TV show on, you know, corporate trust. So I, I, I haven't seen that yet. So, <laughs> I, I haven't seen it. so let's move it's on. Like that old Adam Sandler movie business ethics. Yeah. Right. It's one-on-one. So let's move on chapter two. Uh, and it's called the team with Steve Muller. And uh, he was a retired USA Army Special Forces Green Beret officer. He also served as an Army Ranger in the 75th uh, Ranger Regiment. Prior to that, he was a Navy SEAL. And uh, his story is he get he pulls some things from his experience doing his bud training, SEAL, SEAL, SEAL school, basically buds. And then he re-enlists in the Army Rangers and then eventually Green Berets after 9-11. And he, he talks about maintaining the mission first mindset. What is that and why is that so important? Yeah, uh, Steve has a really interesting story, like you said. Uh, and I always was really impressed with, with Steve. Um, I always considered him a good friend. So he was a Navy SEAL. He got out, became a civilian. And then 9-11 um, hit. He wanted to rejoin the, the SEALs, but this time as an officer. And they told him, no, you couldn't do that. So he said, well, I'm going to join the Army then and become an officer. So he did. Uh, he went to Ranger School, became a Ranger. And then he went to the Special Forces Selection uh, and Qualification Course and became a Green Beret. And so he was quite a bit older than me when um, – when I met him at 10th group. Um, but he talks about having the mission first mindset. So making sure above all else that the mission comes first, then the team, then your teammates, and then yourself. So having um, priorities, having your priorities straight, you know, as a commander and, um, and we talk a lot about what that means in the book as well, but I think that's a good uh, foundation for for this discussion. Yeah. So here's here's the thing that that kind of got me when it when it came to this maintain the mission first mindset because it's such a conflict in the way we think because right because we're so we're so interested the world teaches us that you got to look after your, number one yourself right yes and but then the thing is that. And here's the question that you start to ask is, 
you need to not ask what's in it for me, but what's in it for the people on my team. That That's just a hard transition. Oh, it's so hard. It's contrary to what you think and what you feel. But the bottom line is like once you make that transition, that uncomfortable leap of faith to, to say, okay, I'm putting their needs above my own. They're going to eat before I do. They're going to get taken care of before I do. If we're in combat and they get shot and I get shot, I'm making sure that they get taken care of first. Right. It's a, it's just a mindset that you internalize. And once you do, you see an amazing transformation. You see amazing things happen, not just for yourself and for the guys on your team, but also for accomplishing the mission, you know, and we're in a profession where failure is not an option. You know, <laughs> we go out, we have to win. Yeah, you know, right, that's right. kind of what we look at. And in business, in the civilian world, it's, you know, people say that a lot, but do they actually do that? Not many, right. you know? Right. No, I get it. And by the way, this is, this is, and it, just jumping off of that, right? So if the first highest priority is maintain the mission mindset first, then the second highest priority leads right into that, which is the team. Right? That's correct. Right. And, and I think we kind of, I think we, I think we could kind of understand, right? Because it, it, at the same time, I mean, you say on page 45, collectively, we will achieve according to who we, who we are, not what we want. And um, you also say that if you forget, if you forget yourself and focus on making your teammates successful, then everything will work out. I think actually, I think Steve said that. And, and so, but the point being is that, so if it's mission first, then it's, then it's team next. And then, then, then where do we go? Then it's the individual teammates after right. the team. So, um, there's, certain creeds and we talk about creeds later in the book as well that right. you kind of internalize in the military. And the one that really resonated with me was a ranger creed. We had to repeat it in our pre ranger training every single day during ranger school. We repeated it several times a day. And the last, um, stanza of the ranger creed is readily will I display the intestinal fortitude required to fight onto the ranger objective and complete the mission. Though I be the lone survivor. Mm. And then you finish with rangers lead the way. And so um, that is just a message that's internalized. And you're like, the job is going to get done. The mission right. will get done no matter what. No matter if I'm the last guy standing, everybody else is dead. This mission will get accomplished. And that's just, gosh, it just resonates so much with me. And it's just so right. powerful. And that's how we win and succeed in the military. So the team is next, as you said. Then the teammates. Then it's saying, okay, is the team okay do we, does the team have everything that, that we need in order to be successful? Right. Now we take another step back and we say, okay, do the individual teammates, do they have everything that they need? Are they going through challenges? Are they, you know, mentally up for this? Uh, are they physically up for this? Um, you know, is there anything going on in their personal life that I need to be aware of about that I could help them out with, or that could potentially be a, a challenge or a detriment to the team, to the mission? You know, so that's kind of how you look at that. And then the individual is you. You kind of focus on yourself last. Right. Make sure you're okay with everything. But at the same time, as because you're last, you also are a teammate. So in everybody else's eyes, right. you're third in priority. They're making sure that you're okay. You know, my guys would always make sure that I was doing well, well and okay. My mind was in the right spot. I was physically ready, willing, and able to do the mission. Um, and I understood what was going on. And, and I was empowered and prepared to be as successful as I can be. And then you kind of take a, a step back and you do like a little assessment to make sure that you personally um, are in a good spot. I want to, I want to read you something from this book that I just found incredibly enlightening that I think every person who's listening can also find enlightening. You said, I learned that, and this is from your practice, by the way, the book is divided up into sections. So Jason has this practical application section with himself as well as some professional prior to that. And then he's got a remember section, which is kind of summary of the book. But he's, he's in his practical application, this is what Jason says. I learned that uh, when you're on the precipice of a disaster, if you heard the phrase, the captain is not listening to us in those situations, I would think, yeah, I heard you loud and clear. I just want to do what you suggested. The problem wasn't listening. It was communication. I didn't take the time to explain to the team why we weren't doing it the way they suggested or wanted. I didn't even realize that I was failing to communicate my intent. When, and here's the key, when you are failing to communicate, the team feels unappreciated and ignored. Individuals feel unwanted, they lose their faith in you, and ultimately bring the team down. Talk about, you know, because I think people think that they're pretty good communicators, 
but we are really not that great of communicators, are we? I think by that's a great comment, uh, Jay. And I think by, by nature, we are not great communicators. I don't think we are. I struggle with it all the time. I, I read this this paragraph and I was working with, you know, my chief of staff yesterday on a project. We were creating a one pager for this masterclass that we're about to launch. And, you know, uh, we were going back and forth with ideas and I started to go down a path and in my mind I was getting creative and I was kind of laser focusing in on this paragraph and kind of trying to figure out the right verbiage to use and so forth. And, uh, and my chief of staff was like, you know, well, I think this, I said, Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on a second. Hold on a second. And I was just typing just completely laser focused and 15 minutes goes by, you know, and then afterwards I'm like, okay, what do you think of this? And he's like, dude, I just checked out, man. You weren't listening to me. You know, like you were just kind of doing your own thing and uh, I just let you do your thing. So what do you, what do you want? What are you trying to do? And I'm just like, oh man, this paragraph comes to mind because there's so, it's so often, not just with the, your teammates or your, your employees, but also with your spouse at times where you kind of get lost in your own mind or your, your own thoughts. And, um, and when you do, you know, what you're really doing is you're failing to communicate to your team or to your spouse what's going on. And they, like I said in the book, they, they check out, you know, they, um, feel unappreciated. They feel ignored. They feel unwanted. They lose their faith in you. And ultimately their attitude, because you're essentially putting this on their shoulders, uh, becomes a very negative one, and it brings them down, it brings you down, and then it brings the whole team down. And so very, I mean, it happens to every commander. Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm being very authentic about this. I don't want anyone to think I'm, I'm Superman or anything. I've got all the answers, and I'm, I'm the greatest special forces commander that's ever lived, because I know there are a lot of guys out there that, that kind of preach that or portray themselves as that. I'm I'm a guy more like Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, like I'm a guy who's got a lot of experience and I'm trying to help other people become the hero, if that, if that makes sense. Right. Um, but when I was a captain, you know, when I was an officer, there were times when guys would say, hey, you know, the captain's not listening to us. And, and like I said, I would say, yeah, I did. I listened to you. I heard you loud and clear. I just don't want to do that. We could do that, but I want to do it this way. Mm. And so we're going to do it this way. And um, I didn't take the time to sit down and say, okay, guys, here's the deal. This is why we're doing it this way. I heard, I totally heard you before. I listened to you. This is what you suggested and that possibly could work, but this is another option. And here's why I want to do it this way. Right. And just as long as they understood my, my, uh, my reasoning, everything would be okay. But if I didn't take the time to do that, they would think, oh, the captain doesn't think I'm I'm smart. He doesn't think I have a good idea. You know, we'll forget that. You know what I mean? And they would get right. their butt hurt, you know, for a few days or, or weeks or what have you until, you know, obviously things will work itself out in the end. But that's kind of what I'm going after in this, in, in that, uh, in that paragraph. You know, I just, you know, here's the thing about that, that piece of it is that I think what happens as leaders, we have this expectation. You're just going to do what I say. And, yes. and then what happens is we just, you know, because, well, after all, Jason, you told us that we're in command. So, I mean, <laughs> they just, they just follow orders, but you know, the truth of the matter is if we're, if we're doing this in the right order, right. If it's mission first and then, you know, it's our teammates and the team. And, and if we're doing it in the right order and then ourselves, the truth of the matter is we're going to want to communicate the mission as clearly as possible. Even, you know, I, I think the term is that you guys use is Frago when the mission changes, right. Yeah, fragmentary order, right? right? Frago. Yeah. So then, what happens is that you know they change. Well, it's you still have to be clear on what your mission is, right? And and so things do change, but I, I think it's that clarity of mission that's just we don't do a very good job of communicating it straight enough and forward enough, and we just assume everybody's just going to follow and do it. And that's what I thought was so beautiful about that particular chapter was is just we got to be clear, you know, you know, we just have I, to. Be. I love that. You know, it's something that really um, gets gets smashed into your skull at, at schools like Ranger School, where you're out in the woods and it's the middle of the night, and you're in a Ranger file, which is basically just a line of guys, you know, with rucks, heavy, heavy rucks on, full battle rattle, all your gear, your weapon, and so forth. And you're walking in the woods, it's dark, you can't see anything, there's no lights, you know. And uh, 
there are times when you're like, you're tired. You're like, okay, when is this going to end? When are we going to get to the ORP, the objective rally point? You know, when are we going to get to the, and, and when you're not getting that information, you get frustrated, right. you know, and you're like, what the hell is going on? Where are we going? Right. You know what I mean? Like what's happening here? And then other people start to say that. And all of a sudden there's animosity on the team. Um, and you feel that, you know, you know, you shouldn't be saying that, but you know, you're tired, you're hungry, you can walk in, it's heavy, the pack's heavy and it's just kind of all weighs on you. And, and that's kind of what happens. It always happens. And, um, when you're a commander, when you're leading that file, when it's your turn, your turn for the mission and you're so laser focused on getting to the ORP, you kind of forget from time to time to turn around and tell the guys, Hey guys, we're going on this azimuth. This is our pace. This is, you know, this is how much further we have to go. Hmm. If you just turn around from time to time and relay that information, guys are like, okay, got it. All right. All right. Now I have a vision of what you want to accomplish. I get what you're trying to do. And, and I know in my mind how far we have to walk. Okay. I get it. I feel comfortable. This is great. And, uh, when you get so laser focused on things, you forget to do that, mm. you know, and, and we do the same thing in business. You know, we get so laser focused on our, our, our vision or what we want to accomplish that we forget a lot of times about communicating that to the team, because it makes sense in our own minds and we just neglect to make sure that everybody else understands that as well. Uh, his name is Jason Van Camp, Major Jason Van Camp, retired. Book is called Deliberate Discomfort, and you're, he's joining us here on A New Direction. Hey, folks, let me tell you something. New Direction's two sponsors, right? I talk about them all the time, but that's because I'm so proud of them, and you know they financially support the show. Uh, Epic Physical Therapy, look, they I go to them. They offer – I just was in there – I was just in their studio today. Um, they're doing some new things in there. It's really cool. And they really do have the most advanced top of the line equipment. Seriously, they really do. And they have things like the Alter G anti-gravity treadmill, take pressure off your joints if you want to run, and the Normatec compression sleeves. Uh, and, and then my favorite, the Game Ready, man. If you've never had, you know, like 38 degree frozen water, you know, compress your swollen joints. <laughs> Let me just tell you, it's awesome. So that's just a few things they do. And look, here's the other thing is they are trained, literally trained and certified in the most comprehensive cutting edge treatments available, including things like blood flow restriction therapy, dry needling, which is awesome. And then cupping, which, you know, if you've ever seen the swimmers with the circles on their back, you know, well, that's cupping. They're manipulating the muscle through the skin. It's fantastic. So if you are ready for your epic relief and your epic recovery and your epic results, just go to Epic Physical Therapy. You can learn more by going to EpicPT.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Crafted Team Realtors. You know what? They are located in Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. But I got to tell you something. They serve the worldwide. And the reason why... They can help you regardless of where they live is because they're independently owned and operated. They do they are unaffiliated with any national company. And for 35 years, they have built up a book of the best of the best when it comes to real estate agents in the world. And so they can help you find the absolute best real estate professional to help you sell your home and buy your home regardless of where you live. And it's going to be unbiased. There's not going to be this, uh, you know, well, we work for this company, so we'd rather that you use somebody in a company. No, she doesn't care what company you work for because she's independently owned and operated. She's going to find the very best person for you to work with you regardless of where you live. But being in Raleigh, you know, the thing that she does in the Raleigh area at 7300 Six Forks Road, people come in from all over the Research Triangle Park. And the reason we call that is because it's Raleigh, Durham, and Chapel Hill. But you know what? When they come in, you know what? The first thing they do is they hand you a bottle of water. They sit down and say, hey, let's talk. Let's talk about what your needs are. And what your, what your wants are and what do you need in a house? What do you want in a house? What do you need to do to sell your home? What do you want to do when it comes to selling your home? And the thing is they want to create a relationship, which is why their clients call them the legends of customer service. So when you're ready to go with the legend, there is no place that you should start except right there at LindaCraft and Team Realtors because they truly are the legends. So you can learn more by going to LindaCraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. 
And we're back here with uh, Jason Van Camp, Major Jason Van Camp, and his book, Deliberate Discomfort. It's it's a just a great read. We've only done a couple chapters, by the way, in, in this whole thing. And um, sadly, uh, him and I are running out of time. <laughs> uh, we, we're, we're already 50 minutes into the show, and uh, so we're probably not going to have much time but to do one more chapter. So I'm going to jump ahead, Jason, if you're okay with this, and we're going to jump to chapter six, The Dragunov, okay. uh, with Rusty Witt. Uh, Rusty, yes, yeah, Rusty, yeah, Rusty served six years in the U.S. Army Special Forces Green Beret as a non-commissioned officer. Uh, he earned his bachelor's degree in police science administration from Abilene Christian University in 1994. And um, he now serves as a strength and conditioning coach at, uh, is he still doing that at the USMA at, at uh, West Point? Is he still strong? At the time this book was written, he was. Now he's at Troy University. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought, I thought he was at Troy. Because, yeah. uh, you know, knowing these uh, strength coaches as I do in college, I was like going, hold it here. Didn't he go to, didn't he wind up in Troy? So I was, I, I want, that's why I wanted to double check. So he talks about his first combat operation in Bakwaba and where it was Al-Qaeda occupied. And they run across a sniper <laughs> with a Dragunov. And, um, and this is where we talked about, and I opened up the show with talking about we rise or fall to the level of our training. So uh, let's dig into that a little bit, um, understanding what's going on inside of our bodies during stressful moments and learning what we can do to keep our composure. Yes, yes. It's a great chapter. Rusty's a great friend of mine. And he is at Troy right now. He's doing well. I just talked to him a couple of days ago. Um, so he's going out on his first mission ever, right? And his team, especially his team sergeant, they're kind of teasing him a little bit. They're like, Rusty, we're going to get into some some really deep stuff here. I'm not cussing right. intentionally. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And he's like, that. you know, we're going to do a firefight. You're going to get your CIB in five minutes, your combat infantry badge, which means that, you know, if you've been into a firefight, essentially you get this badge. And so Rusty's nervous, you know, he's in the back of the Humvee, just like, man, what is going on here? And he's kind of praying to himself, kind of humming a song. And they go into the into the city, and sure enough, there's their enemy forces, and they get into a fight. And next thing you know, they're um, trying to figure out where this IED was was initiated a, a day or two prior that really destroyed a striker vehicle and really difficult situation for the for the U.S. Army um, that was stationed there. And they go into this house, and uh, Rusty and his team sergeant, they go on the roof of the house, and they, they look around. Next thing you know, they see the glint off of a scope, and they realize it's a sniper. They hit the ground on the roof, and they're pinned down by this sniper you know, for hours up on this roof, full battle rattle, you know, um, 140 degrees out with all your stuff on. It's probably more like 160 degrees out, just miserable sweating. Rand, uh, Rusty's first mission, so it's crazy. So there's all these things that are going through his mind and his body at the time. And uh, one of the things that, that Rusty says is we, we rise or fall to the level of our training. Mm. And uh, another phrase that we talk about in Chapter 3 is um, we don't train until we get it right. We train until we can't get it wrong. I love that. You know? I loved that because that, that came actually, from, I think, from Chapter 3. Um, yes. where I can't remember his name. He made a mistake in a training, uh, Matt did, Matt, Matt did, right. Yeah. Matt made a mistake in training and literally if it had been live, his partner would have been killed. Right. In, in real life, his partner would have been killed and he would have been responsible for that. Right. And so he's, he, as a leader, as the commander, he takes responsibility and says, listen, I messed up guys. Yeah. You know, like let's continue doing this until we get it right. And one of his soldiers corrects him and says, Hey sir, we don't train until we get it right. We train until we can't get it wrong. So right. that your training, your repetition is so ingrained, you know, your muscle memory right. uh, in, in that you don't, when you're tired, you're miserable, you haven't had any food, you haven't slept in a while, right. your body's drained, your muscle memory is, is such that you do it correctly because you don't have an option to do it any other way. Right. You know, you know, it's interesting that you say this uh, a few weeks ago I had on, um, Delta Force uh, Command Sergeant Major Tom Satterley, who was in Mogadishu and was in that Black Hawk Down, was in 18 hours of fighting in Mogadishu. And he, he just LinkedIn contacted me and, and requested to be <laughs> friends. So, yeah. Really? Really? I, I know all about him. He's a great, great I don't know him personally, but I, he I've is a great, he is a great guy. I mean, he is 
I just want to tell you, he's a he's as great and cool of dude, and his wife Jen is out. So anyway, all right, that's a whole nother story. We'll talk about that off the show. But the truth of the matter is, he said the same thing in 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 his show that you repeated here, and that was, "You're exhausted. We're at, we don't have water. We're we're tired. We're running out of ammo. We've been going for 18 hours. I don't even want to fight anymore. But your training just takes over." And that is absolutely true. That's it's God's own truth right there. Now, the thing that is different about Mission Six Zero, my company, is um, when we first started this company, I had veterans like the guys in the book, right? We would right. go and talk and and so forth. And and uh, our clients, our audience, the audience members, they would be, you know, inspired. They would be enthralled. They would they would have questions. And sometimes they would ask my team, "Well, tell me about that. How did you do that?" Like what was going, like, how did you, how did you accomplish that? And my guys would kind of say, oh, well, I don't, I don't know. I, I just did it. I just relied on my training. Right. And it was kind of like, well, we're, we're doing our clients are, are a disservice because we need to know more ourselves about how and why we did this. And that's why I brought scientists to my team, PhDs, researchers, experts. They can take these experiences and translate the, them into scientific theory and say, this is the so what and right. now what behind this experience, this story. Um, and that's been a powerful game changing decision, you know, with, with the company and with, and I hope with the book as well. Well, I think you accomplished that because, and thank you for bringing that up because I described parts of the sections of the book, but I didn't talk about the, so what, and now what pieces, because you do, you know, you, you go from special operation forces to science with some, you know, specialist, and then you, 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 they talk about, some deep insights and then you have the so what and then the, the and then the and now what and then and then your application i think the thing that that with this particular section of the book um one of the things that this particular chapter one of the things that you say is when you are in the suck <laughs> and i love yeah. that i love that <laughs> when you are in the suck you need to be prepared and preparation does not start the day out it starts now that's and right. I, I think the thing, and you know, I opened up the show changing my, um, the way I do my four levels of, you know, I said, you know, it's your level of training. I think the truth of the matter is, you know, we could talk about the endorphins and serotonin and we could talk about dopamine and all those other things when it comes to physical and oxytocin and cortisol and all those other things that we want to talk about. But the truth of the matter is we need, we do really need to train in all four areas. I think that's the thing about, as I read through this book with you and and I felt like you were right there kind of talking me through this book the thing that I kept hearing over and over again is you talked about emotions you talked about the human spirit you talked about being mentally prepared and I think the thing that you know we get caught up in so much of this physical training part of it which is absolutely valuable but the fact of the matter is you guys are being mentally prepared every day you're being mentally pushed your your people were mentally pushing you. Your people were emotionally pushing you. Your people were spiritually pushing you every single day when you were in training. You're absolutely correct. And, and, and that's how they, they build, you know, a Green Beret. That's how they build Navy SEALs, Delta Force guys. That's That's what they do. And so most people, I think, surface level, they just focus on the physical. Right. Because you can see it. Right. Like, oh, that guy's got muscles or that guy can right. run fast or whatever. Right. But that's just it's a, it's a component, but it's not making you a total warrior, a balanced right. warrior. You know what I mean? Like um, this is how we look at it. Um, I know you have four uh, pillars. At my company, we have six, you know, and so right. you see a guy at the gym that's working out this absolutely shredded. He's ripped. OK, well, you know, maybe this guy lives in his mom's basement and he doesn't really have a job and he's not making any money. He doesn't really read any books. You know what I mean? Like, right. OK, he's he's really failing in these other areas of right. his life, but he's really, really succeeding in the physical area. Right. Or you see a guy uh, from a professional standpoint, a guy that's absolutely crushing it in business. He's making millions of dollars. Right. But he's out of shape. He's right. he's, he's got a gut. You know, he doesn't look very healthy. He doesn't look like he gets much sleep. You right. know, at the same time, his family life is a complete disaster. His wife's going to divorce him. His kids hate him. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, that's not good either. Right. You know, you need to have a balance in all the areas of your life. And for us, it's mental, physical, spiritual, social, emotional, and professional. 
you know, if you can balance those together, you're going to be a total warrior, you know, bad A, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're going to be the guy, a warrior diplomat, a warrior ambassador capable of not only kicking down doors, but also, um, you know, verbally knocking people out and in your mind, you know, that's kind of how we look at it. Brother, I'm going to tell you something. This has been awesome. I've had a great time with you. And I, I would, Me too. I, I, I would love to have you back to do more of this book. Would you come back sometime and do more? It would be an honor. It really would. I would, I would love to bring you back later on down the road and talk more about this book because the book is called Deliberate Discomfort, everybody. Uh, his name is Jason uh, B.A. Van Camp, uh, major, uh, retired, uh, Green Beret, um, by the way. And um, he's just... Is he just not just the coolest dude in the world, right? I mean, you think I'm having a bromance with him. I know that's what you're thinking out there, right? You know, I've got some sort of... It goes both ways, yeah. <laughs> So maybe I do. Maybe I do in reality. I kind of do. I really do. Listen, I, I didn't say this about him because he doesn't have me have people talk about this much, but I just want to say this. Listen, Jason is, Jason is retired, but he earned the Bronze Star with B device for Valor, as well as two additional Bronze Stars during three combat rotations in the Middle East and Africa. And uh, I just feel like it's always important to thank, to recognize those things for the people who served our country and served people they didn't even know. And um, was it Oppressor de Libero, Libero, right? The Oppressor Liber. Right, right, to liberate the oppressed. And, um, you know, uh, that's been his mission. And he's continuing to do that today with deliberate discomfort. And what he's doing is he, the oppression that we feel, um, he's liberating through this book. And so I really hope that you will purchase it because it's a great book and he's a great guy. Jason, if you could uh, give us a quick, you know, new direction for people out there, what would Jason uh, Van Camp say to the folks out there? Thank you. You know, people ask me, say, Jason, give me one thing that I can do differently. And I, and I say, you tell me what that one thing is, mm. because it's different for everyone. Like some people will tell you, um, you know, Take cold showers in the morning. Well, if that's hard for you, do it. If it's not hard for you, for example, I, I lived in Russia for two years. In April, they turn off the hot water, you know, <laughs> and they don't turn it back on until October. Like it was mandatory cold, cold showers. Oh. I was, I got used to it. Um, if it's if that's hard for you, do it. You know, like um, if waking up at 3:30 to be in the gym at 4 a.m. is difficult for you and it's hard for you and it's pushing yourself, do that. If it's not I mean, hell, I was in the military for as long as, you know, as, as till I retired. We woke up that early all the time to work out. So it's not difficult for me to do that. It's really not. Right. For whatever reason, my body just wakes up at that time. You know, other people will tell you, uh, make your bed in the morning. Right. You know, first thing, you know, well, I get that. But I was at West Point and we had to do that every single morning, right. Monday, you know, like Sunday morning to Saturday night. Like right. that's how we lived. And I got used to that. So that's not a hard thing for me to do. But there are many other things that are very difficult for me to do. And so if it scares me and excites me and it's difficult, I try to um, do that. You know, I try to um, voluntarily, deliberately choose discomfort in my life so that I can become a better, stronger, more improved person. And I really, truly believe that. And I know 100% it works. And so that's what I would leave your audience and is, isn't it true? It goes right back to the circle thing we started with. And that was, you know what? If you embrace the, the suck, if you do the things that are deliberately discomfort, you're going to increase your training. And when you increase your training, you're going to be ready for the bedtimes, aren't you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's awesome. His name is Jason Van Camp. Book again, Deliberate Discomfort. You can find it available at Amazon bookstores near you. If it's not in your bookstore, you tell them to get it immediately. Okay. And you tell them to face it out because it's an absolutely fantastic book. Folks, that's the show. You know what I say to you every week, and that's this. Be inspired because when you're inspired, that means uh, you can inspire others. And in turn, they can inspire those around them. And that can make this world an amazing place. I'm going to be back next week with another great guest, another great book, and another great show. And as I say to you every week, ciao, every you can't find the strength to go a different way, yeah. The time has come for a new direction. your confidence and the answers don't make sense you got to keep your hope alive you got to know you can survive this is your time
Your dreams will take 